0: Sunday. Man, it's good to see you all this morning. Has God been good to anyone in this building? Uh, On a scale of one to ten, I'd give that a two. I said, has God been good to anyone in this building? I know he has. I know he has. And depending on how much time we have, because we've got something to celebrate today. Got something to celebrate today and so that that song blessed me so much about God is good we might bring that back at the end of the service and just have us a God is good party for about five minutes praise God why don't you love on someone today let them know that you're glad to see them and then you can be seated thank you all for wearing your favorite team jersey today are amazing God, amazing, praise God, praise God, there's a real energy in this building today, and I believe it should be like this every Sunday, every time we get together, we just come back to celebrate and, and give God glory, and it's such an atmosphere in here today, it's beautiful to see it. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Micah chapter 7. And I want to take us backwards to take us forward today. And uh, how many of y'all were at the very first exploratory meeting on October the 13th? Praise God. How many of y'all were not at the very first exploratory meeting on October the 13th? All right. Oh, that's a good thing. That means that we've grown. (laughs) It's a good thing. And so when I ministered on October the 13th, the title of the message was, Is It a Setback or a Setup? And that was what God was attempting to get me to understand, that what was in the natural looking like a setback, what God was really doing was setting us up. And so today I want to look back at that event, and I titled today, Was It a Setback or a Setup? And so let's go back through some things, and we're going to see how God supernaturally set linked-up church for this moment. And if he set up linked-up church for this moment, he's also setting you up for your moment. So in Micah chapter 7, let's begin reading at verse 1. And just the backdrop here is that Micah is just disappointed over the the sins of Israel and the mistakes that they had made. And and what he's waiting on is the the deliverance of his God. And so in Micah 7 verse 1, it says, Woe is me, for I am like those who gather summer fruits, like those who glean vintage grapes. There is no cluster to eat of the first ripe fruit, which my soul desires. The faithful man has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among men. They all lie and wait for blood. Every man hurts his brother with a net, that they may successfully do evil with both hands. The prince asks for gifts. The judge seeks a bride, and the great man utters his evil desire, so they scheme together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman and your punishment comes. Now shall be their perplexity. Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. For son dishonors father, daughter rises against her mother, Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. And how many of you know that's really what our world is looking like today? Micah goes on to say here, and in that moment, you've got to understand, in that moment, that's what everything felt like to me. It really felt like that was the world that I was living in. And sometimes if you get more focused on what people are doing, you'll miss out on what God is doing. And so then Micah goes on to say here, very powerful text. Verse 7. Therefore, I will look to the Lord and I will wait for the God of my salvation or deliverance. Notice the faith in the tone my God will hear me do not rejoice over me my enemy when I fall I will arise on this rise up Sunday morning come on and I don't know what you have gone through and I don't know what you're going through right now but I do know one thing you will arise Come on, somebody say that by faith with me. Say, I will arise. Now go ahead and give God glory like you've already. And I can remember saying to the people in that moment, it looks like we're down, but we are not out. So Micah says here, When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. And if you live long enough, every one of us will be placed in a situation where all you will have is the light of the word of God to guide you. And it's in those moments that you learn that that's really all that you need. Thank God for your mother. Thank God for your father. Come on, somebody. Thank God for your pastor. But none of them can give you the light that the Lord can give you specifically from his word when you're going through a dark time. You've got to go to the light and find out what is God saying about my situation. And Micah said, the Lord will be a light to me. The Message Bible reads verse 7 and 8 this way. But me, I'm not giving up. And I thank God, folks, I didn't give up. I'm sticking around to see what God will do. Some of us quit too early. And a lot of times when the pressure is the toughest and when it seems like you can't go another second, you are right on the other side of your breakthrough, glory to God. Message Bible says, but for me, I am not giving up. I'm sticking around to see what God will do. I'm waiting for God to make things right. I'm counting on God to listen to me. Don't enemy crow over me. I'm down, but I am not out. Somebody give God some glory in this place. Listen, you might be down right now. But you are not out. You need to learn how to look at people like and tell them, you better laugh at me and talk about me and say everything you can say about me right now. Because I will not be in this situation forever. And you're not bragging on yourself. You just know that God is good and God is obligated to give you the revelation, the instruction, the knowledge that you need to come out of your dark situation, come on bright and shiny and and with victory on the other side of it. And what I just learned, folks, not only will God bring you out of it, he'll bring you out of it better than whatever it was that you lost. Come on, he'll give you a double for your trouble. Come on, he, he'll be everything that you thought he would be in those moments and in those situations. Let me give you some definitions. Setback, by definition, is an unanticipated or check in progress. See, what made it a setback was that you weren't expecting it. How I many you know I didn't wake up on that morning thinking that something was getting ready to happen? Not how I woke up. Matter of fact, if you read my post from that day, I said today is going to be the best day of my life. That's how unexpected that was. And guess what, folks? I didn't know it, but that day was the best day of my life. Come on, I need one person to rejoice with me in this place today. And so it's an unanticipated Or check in progress. A problem that makes success less likely. Or a problem more difficult. Set up, by definition, is a plan or projected course of action. I love this. A prearranged situation or circumstance. I now understand, folks, three years later, that it was prearranged and orchestrated by God. And I can literally see how he walked us from place to place to get us right back to where we're getting ready to go right now. Let me give you some keys, folks, because if you live life, you're going to go through something. I'd love to tell you that everything is going to be rosy, but it's not. And matter of fact, you don't learn a whole lot about yourself when you're on the mountaintop. You don't learn anything about yourself until you get in the valley. You can talk about all you want to who you are when you're on that mountaintop, but it's getting ready to get revealed in the valley. So let me give you some keys. Key number one, you all might recall this from that day. Your response after a setback will determine how you're set up. Focus is the key. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18, the Message Bible reads this way. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. What you've got to learn to understand is sometimes when you're going through things, it's no longer about what you're going through outwardly. It's about who you're becoming inwardly which is far greater because the things that we can see are temporal and they're subject to change. But the things that we can't see that are happening on the inside are eternal. God is making a new life and not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. Of course, we know that when we all transition from this life, there's going to be a lavish celebration. But how many of y'all know God wants us to celebrate on earth, too? And I can almost envision us now all meeting at this location. And then we drive all of our cars to the next location. And we all park on that light lot and just march in there together. Come on, somebody. And we celebrate like it's nobody's business. Glory to God. So your response after a setback will determine how you're set up. Focus is the key. If you focus on what happened to you, you're going to miss it every time. If you focus on what God's desiring to do in you, you can come out of it like nothing never happened to you. Focus is the key. Number two, the difference between a setback and a setup is your attitude. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. You all might know the story of David here in his conflict with the Amalekites. Amalekites. And like anything else, this was the story that God told me to go look at because David had lost everything. And this story gave me so much hope that if God did it for David, then God will do it for me. And so let's pick this story up in verse 1. First Samuel chapter 30. The difference between a setback and a setup is your attitude. Verse 1 says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and turned it or burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Now, how many of y'all know that I can't imagine that? As much as I love my wife and my kids... Can you imagine coming home to find your home burned down and your family taken? I don't even want to try to put mine. I can't. Just keep reading. But in that moment, folks, even what I was going through felt like that. Just keep reading. So then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. And they had no more power to weep. I mean, you know, that's okay when you're going through things. Crying is okay. Weeping is okay. You just can't stay there. Amen. Come on, somebody. At some point you got to get up. Throw some water on your face. Come on, get dressed and strap it up. Come on, somebody. Put your shoulders back and think about what do I need to do to go forward? Because life must go on. So they wept. David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jesuitus, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, David was greatly distressed. That means to be pressed and to be vexed, which who wouldn't be with your wives being removed from you? So David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved because they had lost their families too. And every man for his sons and his daughters. But here it is, folks. The difference between a setback and a setup is your attitude. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. That word strengthened means encouraged. Inside of the word encouraged is a word called courage. Courage. There'll be times in your life, folks, when you won't have anyone to encourage you. You'll look for it, but there'll be no one there to say, you can make it. You're going to be all right. God's on your side. And let me tell you, those are some good times because that's when you learn that you and God are actually a majority. Not a minority in that situation. You get to learn that you and God are a majority. And this word courage here, better translated, literally means, and and I love it, it means to repair. It means to fortify. It means to continue, which means you've got to get in the word for yourself. Pat yourself on the back if you need to. Say to yourself, self we are in this situation but we're not staying in this situation. Come on. God is good and God is good all the time. God you promised me that nay in all these things I am more than a conqueror in you because you love me. Father you said I can do all things through Christ the anointed one and his anointing which continually strengthens me. You've got to pray. Spend Time in the Word of God. Find out what God's Word said and encourage yourself. David encouraged himself. How many know that's the right attitude when you're looking at a situation where I have more bills than I have money to pay? How many know you need to encourage yourself in that moment? You just get a doctor's report that says that it is evil, it is not good, it is terminal. I mean, that's not a moment to throw a pity party, and you don't need the wrong people around you saying, I went through the same thing, my grandmother went through the same thing, she died three months later, I had enough. You don't need all of that around you. You've got to find a quiet place by yourself. Come on, somebody, and just you God and your Bible, and you need to encourage yourself in God. I can't tell you how many times I had to pick myself up off of the bed. I had to pick my leg up. Get out of the bed. Get up. Take a shower. This is the day that the Lord has made. Come on, boy. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. Come on. This is a good day. God and do something good for me today and you've got to encourage and strengthen yourself and then go out there and watch God be God every single time in your situation. So David encouraged, he strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abathar, here's the other thing with attitude, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. Well, what was the ephod? Who was Abimelech? Abimelech was the high priest. The ephod was a girdle that the high priest strapped around his girdle, around his shoulders, before he would go and inquire of the Lord. What's the wisdom here? Before you move forward, you better ask God how to move forward. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, I didn't see this, folks, early on. I see it now. I realize I did it, obviously, supernaturally, highlighted it this time, saying, shall I pursue this truth? That's specific to his duty and his calling. And You've got to ask yourself, shall I move forward in this situation? The second question was, shall I overtake them? I know mean, that's a good question. Because if God didn't tell you to go after him, you're getting ready to get your clock clung. <laughs> you're getting ready to run up on somebody, and they're going to turn around on you and say what you want. <laughs> My wife will tell you, and I can remember asking the Lord, shall we move forward? Clearly, the Lord said yes. I asked the Lord, will we recover all? He said, you shall recover all. Folks, I can tell you today that we have recovered all. Come on, somebody. I can tell you today that we have recovered all. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. We have recovered all. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so you see here, when you're going through a tough time, that's not the time to have a bad attitude. That's not the time to throw a pity party for yourself. That's the time to strengthen and encourage yourself. Go find out what is the Lord saying about this situation. Notice what the Lord answered here. And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail, recover all. That was the word of the Lord unto me in that moment. He literally said to me, without fail, you shall recover And I want to prophesy to somebody in this room. You lost a whole lot. But if you'll follow these instructions here and learn how to encourage yourself, find out what the Lord is telling you to do going forward. Without fail, you shall recover all. If that's for anybody in this room, you better go ahead and act like it and give God some glory in advance for recovering everything. I could read more, but for time's sake, I'm going to keep moving. In verse 17, you'll see, in recovering all, David and his men gave them a 24-hour butt kicking. (laughs) And how many know when when, when God fights the battle for you, There are no casualties. I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in this bill. I will share this with you in verse 10. Look at verse 10. But David pursued, he and 400 men, but 200 men stayed behind. What you've got to learn, and you might remember I said this, there'll be people who were there in your setback, but they won't be there in your comeback. And listen to me, that's OK. Because doesn't mean that they're bad doesn't mean that you're good. Where God has elevated you to, they no longer fit anymore. And sometimes that's people close to you. Sometimes that's people that you love dearly. Sometimes that's people that you had relationships with for years. They can't go with you to your next level. Because you know what they're going to do? Try to take you back where you came from. You know what they're going to say? We had it better when we were back there. And back there, we used to do it this way. And back there, it was like this. And back there, they did that. But none of that works where God has taken us. You've got to understand that, folks. There will be people that were there in your setback that will not be there in your comeback. And then there'll be people who were there in the setback that when you get to your comeback, they'll come back. Because they don't believe it till they see it. I want to thank God for you all today because you believed it when you didn't see it. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, I want to thank every person. Come on, every person sitting in my dining room, every person in the basement. Come on, somebody. You don't know nothing about that. When the office was a dining room table and the deacons were counting on a little dining room table. Come on, somebody. The ministerial staff meeting was in the living room. We were loading up trucks, loading, unloading trucks. My wife and I in the winter time when it was snow and ice out, we were loading up trucks, unloading trucks. I want to thank every person who believed in us when there was nothing to believe in. Come on, let's give God praise in this place today. Thank you for that. May God richly reward you for that. May every dream come true in your life. May God bless you and your family abundantly for every prayer that you pray, every seed that you sow, every ounce of time that you volunteer to help us get to this point. May the blessing of the Lord make you rich and add no sorrow to it. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart on behalf of my wife and I. Thank you, glory to God. Thank you, God. Thank you, people. We did not get here by ourselves. We got here together, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Last thing I want to talk about today. Never lose hope. Never lose hope. Did you all hear what I just said? Never lose hope. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. The Amplified says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope is expectation. Deferred means to prolong, to remove, to delay. To stretch out. Never remove hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, some of the people, sickest people you will ever see have lost hope. They no longer believe that there is a way out of this situation. And a lot of times, the physical sickness that they're experiencing is a result of the inner hope that they've lost. And it's manifesting in different aspects of the body. Hope deferred or removed or delayed makes the heart sick. But when the desire, King James Version says, cometh or is fulfilled, desire there is a longing, satisfaction, something pleasant. When that's fulfilled, it is a tree of life. Tree of life means to cause us much happiness and it gives us life. I can tell you, my wife and I, for the first time yesterday, stuck the keys in the door for ourselves. Turned the alarm switch off for ourselves. Walked around the building with just long steps, you know what I mean, just long steps. And my wife and I were just designing. This is where Little Linkland will be. This is great for the Dream Team Central area. This is great for, 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 for nursery. This will be great office space. This will, let's move the sanctuary back. Build a performance stage so we can continue. Come on, somebody dream with me for a minute. Huh. When the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. And so what kept us going was hope not faith you must feed hope faith let's keep reading as long as we have hope we can cope with any situation circumstance or adversity the enemy may throw our way illustration of that is Abraham and Sarah how I many of took him 25 years to manifest the promise of Isaac. They wrote about that in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. The uh, uh, Amplified Version says, I want to show you how important hope is to your faith. They're really twins. You can't have one without the other. Hope is the expectation of what it is that you're believing for. You can never lose the expectation of what you're believing for notice in Romans four eighteen for Abraham human reason for hope being gone all of that had vanished away why because he's 99 years old and his wife is 90 no one's having children at that age <laughs> Listen to me. No one's thinking about having children at that age. I'm not 99 yet. I don't even know if they're even thinking about doing anything that would cause you to have children at that age. I don't know. I hope they are. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I want to believe that I'll be there. But all I know is as long as he kept hope alive, it re-energized his body. So hope Was Viagra thousands of years ago? And think about that that's a billion dollar business today. That you can keep that money if you just keep hope alive. For Abraham, human reason for hope was gone. And there'll be times, folks, when, think about it, we're standing there with nothing. Right? I I mean, really, with nothing. Hope will get you past what you actually see with your physical eyes. Hope and faith that he should become the father of many nations. New King James Version says, in hope he believed. That word believe there is pistis. It means to have faith in, but listen, with respect to a person or a thing. Credit and trust. Commit to put your trust in. So if Abraham's faith had been solely based on his circumstances, then he would have lost that hope and it would have been shattered. So you don't put hope in circumstances. You put hope in a person. And his name is Jesus. So as a result of Abraham's hope being in God, he received the promise. Let me give you some scriptures to feed your hope a little bit. Go to Psalms 119. Amplified. I'm going to stay in the Psalms for a minute, so travel with me. Psalms 119. Verse 49, the Amplified says, remember fervently the word and promise to your servant in which you have caused me to what? Hope. So notice, it starts with faith in the word. Hope is what keeps that word alive. Psalms 119, 116 Amplified says, uphold me according to your promise that I may live And let me not be put to shame, watch this, not in the word of God, right, not in what I'm believing, but let me not be put to shame in my hope. Listen, ladies, don't ever stop believing that you're going to get married someday. Keep your hope in that. If you just look around, it, it might disappoint you. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to males I hope you're not hearing it that way I'm just saying sometimes circumstances don't look right so you've got to remove the circumstances and put your hope in God and if God has to bring him from Nigeria from the Bahamas what's a beautiful girl like you're doing all by yourself you mean to tell me none of these men in America appreciate the beauty and the intelligence and the splendor that you've displayed before me today? Shame on those men. I will take care of you for the rest of my life. Back in my country, I have 30 houses. I have acres of land. Come on, somebody. I have assistance. I have aids. I take care of you for the rest of my life. Shame on these men in America. Come on, keep hope alive. (laughs) Psalms 130, stanza five. I wait for the Lord. I expectantly wait. And in his word, watch this, do I hope? Can't get away from this, folks. At any point that I stopped expecting, it would have stopped this train from moving. The more word you have in your spirit, the more hope you will have. You must feed hope the word of God. You all catch that. Now, I'm going to give you these things. They're all in the uh, Bible version, you version. So I'm going to go through these quickly. Uh, but I want you to have this information because if you live long enough, you're going to be faced with a situation that only God can get you out of. Pastor, you shouldn't speak that over the people, it's the Bible. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Don't stop reading there. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I now understand that as a leader, I had to go through that for you all. And show you how to do it. It's just part of being a leader. Scripture says that Jesus was tempted in all points, just like we are. Yet it never led him to sin. Why? So that he could relate to us. See, if a leader never goes through anything, he can't relate to his people. Then he separates himself from the people. Then he becomes untouchable. Then he has an entourage. Then you can't get to him because he can't relate to you no more. So let me just give you these. How to position yourself for a setup. This is how you do it. Psalms 40, 1 through 5. Once you take the time to read that, I'm going to give you the points from that text, okay? Point number one is you've got to wait patiently, okay? That literally means to bind together by twisting, to expect, to look for. comes from the same Hebrew word that means to stick with God and be tight with him. When you go through something, you want to be closer to God than anybody else. That's right. That's right. Listen to me, including your spouse. Right. And as a head of household, can I even say, I guess, it's going to be hard for my wife to hear. But in reality, as a leader, there are even times that you've got to go and it's just you and God. And you got to come back and tell your family what he said. There are times when I can't take her into that holy place with me. I'd love to, but I got to go get that for myself. Number two, you must know that God can take you from the bottom to the top. In that text there, David was referring to being. In a horrible pit in a miry clay. Both of those represent great difficulties and distresses. But then he said he set my feet upon a rock to stay. Rock is a place of strength and safety. Keeps you from falling. Sets you up by ordering your steps. So you've got to understand, sometimes it requires going low so that you could go high. Because character is built while you're low then character keeps you when you become high. Never let your gifting take you somewhere that your character can't keep you. You must continue to praise God. Don't ever let the devil steal your praise. Number four, trust God, not man. trust is a refuge security assurance is confidence hope I learned through this folks the mistake that I made was that I put my trust in man's ability to do something for me I did this to myself because all my trust was in a man and so it needed to be adjusted within me so listen no one did anything to me I had to grow People only did things for me to help me grow. Number five, God is thinking about you all the time. See, it's in those moments that you think no one understands. The one that needs to understand does understand, and all he's thinking about is how to get you out of it. Make sure you read Psalms 115, 12 through 16. talks about the Lord has been mindful of us. And you need to understand, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God has you on his mind. And all he's thinking about is how to get you where you need to be. And all you need to do is cooperate with him. Now, how many of you, again, were at that meeting? I'll close right here. How many of you are at that October the 13th meeting? I'm going to share some things that today, sing goose, goosebumps all up and down my arm, my sleeve, every aspect of my body. In that moment, we read First Timothy chapter two, one through three, and we prayed for the leadership where we came from. We paid for that church. You all recall those things. And we said, "God loves FCC, and He loves us. God always wants a win-win situation. There are over six million people in Atlanta, and no one church can reach them all." We said to you all, we would always love and honor where we came from, but God was moving us into a new season of our lives. And so we're not bitter, we're not in unforgiveness, we're not in offense, we're in acceptance. What we've decided is that it's time to move on. Third thing that we said to you all was that we were believing God for everything. You all remember that. Because in that moment, we didn't have anything. So we have to believe God for everything. Next thing we said was, the next meeting would be November 17, 2013. Same time location, which was Lasseter High School. The meeting would be more strategic. What can you do in the meantime? Because I understood you all have families. I said, be led by the Holy Spirit, where he wants you to go, what's he, what he wants you to do. Till we figure all of this out. Friend us on Facebook, we would update things that way. Then we ask you to be in agreement with us for these things. Number one, that we could lease a building that seats 1,000 or better with children's church, youth, etc. that it would be turnkey ready. That was West End Seventh-day Adventist Church. Come on, can we thank God for West End Seventh-day Adventist Church? Second thing, if you were there, you'll remember this. This was lofty. Now I can see that the Holy Spirit Spirit had to have me say this. All the resources to pay cash for a permanent building. And in that moment, we had linen in our pocket. (laughs) Listen to this. This is right here with no building fund. And folks, I want to show you a picture of what we've purchased today. Don't show it yet. Let's see that you, you're getting ahead of me. Take the picture now. You got to wait on me to say. You got to wait on me to say, move that bus. I want to say something around that. The reason behind doing this with no debt and not having a building fund, you might not understand what I'm getting ready to say unless you came from that. We had already paid off a building. Not only had we already paid off a building, we had already paid off land. So it would only be right if God gave us back building and lane. Come on, somebody ought to, somebody need to, we should be louder than the Super Bowl right here on this one right here. You understand what I'm saying? And I saw the faces of people like Mama Jack and Deacon Al and His lovely wife, Minister Joe, I saw, I began to see the faces and and Linda Ellis and and I began to see the faces of people who had been around for 20 years, sowing seed and sacrificing, singing, and I saw it. And the Lord said to me, they shouldn't have to pay twice. It's my first time releasing this. They shouldn't have to pay twice for what they already paid for. And the Lord said to me, I need you to believe for that. Yes, man. And you know how many people around the country have called me and said, Hey, Doc, I saw your post. But you, you didn't have a building fund? I said, No. We didn't need it. We didn't need it. I'm about to jump. Boy, I'm about to, Boy, I'm about to jump clear this whole section right here and people can't believe that I said we didn't need it we didn't need it you didn't raise anything not one penny and then this is what I said to them and we didn't even have to touch our reserves somebody better get ready 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 Come on, I'm having a T.D. Jakes moment up here. Come on, come on, somebody, come on, somebody better get ready. Glory to
1: God. Wait, I want to ask something. I want to ask something, babe. Do you realize, I just occurred occurred to me this morning looking at a picture from when we had to burn the note ceremony. And this blew my mind. It's almost this, well, no, it's just about almost to the week. The same amount of time for when we were installed over there to when we paid it off. It's almost the exact amount of time. Three years and a month. And it's nothing to do with the Gregories. Those that raised your hand and was at that meeting. Those that were at that burn but no ceremony, if you remember. I truly believe God just intended to celebrate a wilderness moment for all of us up to this day. So that he's glorified in mass so that he can be glorified in private on your behalf. Good.
0: We're just both, we've been like this for a couple of, over a week now, just crying. And- oh. I mean, we, we went in the building yesterday. We stuck the key in. Because we've been on this journey. And so what God has done for us, folks, is a 50,000 square foot big block retail space that we will remodel, redesign, build out to our specifications. And it is going to be a blessing. Show the picture. So the address of your new home is 4331. Listen to this, the house I grew up in, in Detroit, Michigan, the address was 4331 Waverly. Now, I won't tell my grandmother that because she'll play it in the four digits. She'll play it on the street numbers. I'm not telling her that because I know where she going with that. But that's the address of the house I grew up in as a kid, 4331. So I know God planted us there. From the West End, you go up five exits, get off at Thornton Road, James Hardy Parkway, go down five miles. It's right at the corner of James Hardy Parkway. From this location, 13 miles from this front door to that front door. Right next to it is a strip mall that we will own someday. Go to the next image. Now I want to show you the land that's next to it. All right, so if you see the building over there, the top of the building, the ben- that's 30 acres of land that's next to it. So, so listen, folks, that building is not our home. We're actually going to build our campus on that 30 acres. So we're not going to rest.